finishing up the Made for More series that we started in August. Uh, I know this is September, but like I said, I'm finishing it. Uh, we've been going to the book of 2 Timothy. And while we're in 2 Timothy, we've been talking about Paul writing his last letter. I mean, this is like, he knows he's about to have his head cut off. And he's in prison, sentenced to death, and he takes the time to pen 2 Timothy. His last letter to his best friend, his mentor, who's sort of going to, in, in a lot of ways, take his place in ministry. He's poured more into Timothy than anyone. Now, if you're going to do that, you're going to write the last letter to the people that mean the most to you, you're going to think about that letter. You're going to think about what you say. And you're going to, you know you don't have time to speak with them more than once, so you're going to think of the most things that you can put in there and the most important things to say. Uh, about, it's been almost 10 years now, I had a brain aneurysm uh, and had to go in for brain surgery. And um, it, was a, it was a very, very scary time in my life. I knew the recovery would take a while. And, and um, I remember uh, when we found out we had to have the surgery, he, he, he said, like, can we do it tomorrow? And I remember going, that was, I think, on Christmas Eve, and I was going, no, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 you got to give me some more days. And so I remember sitting down and writing letters to my two children, to my wife, and uh, just saying what I wanted to say. Because I didn't know if I was going to come out of that surgery at all. And I, I mean, the chances were good, but I, I didn't know that for sure. And I didn't know if I was going to come out, you know, not remembering anything. I, you don't know, it's brain surgery. So uh, I remember taking time, oh boy, what I want to say. And um, I didn't want to tell everybody, hey, I've written the old last note to everyone. So I, Joel and Lindsay were married at the time, and I, I remember saying to Joel, Joel, if, if I don't come out of this right or whatever, if you'll look behind a certain picture, there's an envelope, and it's got letters for everybody in it. <laughs> so he goes, okay, but, but you're going to be all right. <laughs> You know, and I sort of had things hidden around, not, not, not things hidden around like I was trying to hide them, but things that I, I was not going to, like, say to everybody so they'd all think, oh, man, you're going to die. You've had this premonition you're going to die. So I had these, and I don't remember, after the surgery, I couldn't remember where I put them, so, you know, I kept finding them about a year later, you know. <laughs> oh, there's that letter, you know. <laughs> so, but that's what Paul did. Paul wrote a letter to say the things that were the most important thing to Timothy. And here's the deal. you got to understand this. Timothy was the pastor, a very young pastor, very young pastor, of one of the largest churches. That was the church at Ephesus. And let me tell you what was going on in Ephesus. Trouble. The Roman Empire was closing in on, on, with persecution. There were already people in Ephesus losing their lives. Paul was on the chopping block in Rome. The, um, the Roman culture was squeezing the life out of Christianity, it appeared at times. And there were false teachers that were teaching. And Timothy was overwhelmed. And that's what this whole series is, was about. Timothy, in first, uh, uh, 2 Timothy, verse chapters 1 and 2 especially, Timothy was overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, I'm young. Um, I'm not sure. I have a lot of experience about this. And I... And he became, a he was holding back. He, he was made for more, but more wasn't happening. And I think Paul's last letter was saying, Timothy. It's 
So that's where we are. That's really what this series has been about. So what I want to focus in on is one verse that we have saved for the last. I'm really happy Pastor Jay decided to save this one for the last one. Uh, it's one of my favorites, and it's one that we've heard a lot. But today, I want us to look at it like we've never looked at it before. And I'm so excited. I, I've told several people, I am so excited about sharing this word with you this morning. Because I believe you're going to have ears to hear it. I really do. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read it in three different translations. Here's the first one. The old King James. Everybody remembers this one probably growing up when you were memorizing verses. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hadn't we quoted that? Ah, man, we love to quote that thing. Then there's uh, the New International Version, which most of us have. And I like what this says. It says, for the spirit that God gives us does not make us timid. Timid. But gives us power, love, and self-control. That's a word missing in our culture. <laughs> and I love this one. This is, this is from, see GW there? This is in George Washington. It's, it's, called, it's a translation called God's Word. Uh, not really out there yet, but here, here's what it says. God didn't give us a cowardly spirit. Whoa. But a spirit of power, love, look at this one, good judgment. Man, those, those are good ways for us to see it. So what I want to do today, I want to do the, the classic, this is Bible study time, all right? Uh, today, what I want to do is I want us to dissect this verse from the Word of God, okay? So here we go. We're going to take these verses apart. Now, notice in, in those three translations, we had fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. One of them said didn't make us timid. One of, them said, one of them said, a cowardly spirit. So you have the idea that, the, that it has something to do with intimidation, as Charmaine said up here, or fear. There's something about fear. But the word Paul used for this is not the usual word for fear. The usual Greek word for fear is phobias. That's where we get like phobias. Uh, it's this, this fear that's just all around. It's, it's this fear thing going on in us. But the truth is, the, one of the best ways to translate this word, it's the word delias in Greek. One of the, the best ways to translate this word, and the way, way it's used mostly in that culture in, first century, um, in the first century world, is the word dread. Dread. You know what I mean by that word? Dread. Dread. I, th I think the Spanish word for it, I don't know this, is pavor. Is that, does that work? Yay. Favor. Yay. I got it. <laughs> That's the only Spanish word I know right now. Anyway. The word dread. You know what I mean by dread? Folks, when I was this little guy about seven years old, there was one thing I... That's trouble right there. I promise you, when I was that age, I got in trouble every day of my life. I remember thinking, I'm going to hell because I get in trouble every day. 
I, I got spankings many of those days. I, my parents weren't cruel or anything. I was just unruly, <laughs> loud, you name it. Anyway, uh, I remember the thing I dreaded more than any, you, you could probably wipe him off right now. Uh, that, thank you. <laughs> the thing I dreaded the most was brushing my teeth. I, I, that sounds stupid, doesn't it? But not when you are a seven-year-old boy. Uh, bathing is bad enough. But I, I, I hated to brush my teeth. I mean, it, I, the toothpaste tasted good. We, we were a Colgate family. And there were times we even talked mom and dad into Pepsodent. Because y'all remember it had little stripes? Uh -huh, that was good. Um, but nothing that my parents could do, cool toothbrushes, you know, with with Superman on them or anything. It didn't help. I don't know why I dreaded brushing my teeth. I think I may know why. My mom had this thing. Every um, once a month, she would take her children and she would get salt and baking soda in a little thing and get a wet rag, wet bath cloth, and dip it in there and scrub our teeth with salt and baking soda. I don't know if it was a I don't know, but it hurt. She'd get a, she would just scrub our teeth. And, go, ah! and I, obviously it was because we didn't want to brush our teeth. So she had once a month to do that kind of thing. I don't know why I dreaded that so much. But one time, I, I mean, I would notice my mom would, after I would go to bed, would go in the bathroom and feel of the toothbrush to see if it was wet. And then she would come in and go, get up, Mark, go brush your teeth. And uh, I would get up and go, you know, and just take my time and act like I couldn't pick up the toothpaste and I don't have enough power to squeeze. Uh, stupid stuff. But I would just put it off and dread it and dread it. Then when my teeth were brushed, I felt better. My mouth felt cleaner. I could sleep better. But I did that every stinking time. Well, I noticed that mom would go check the toothbrush, so you know what I did. Like any seven-year-old, I just went by, dipped my toothbrush in the water, put it in the little toothbrush holder, and went to bed. And I thought, man, I am brilliant. And I, honestly, I was brilliant for a while. And then, then my mom, I remember one night, I remember it really well because this was a really big trouble time for me. I got in big trouble. Mark, did you brush your teeth? Yes, ma'am. At the Sims house, lying was antichrist. It still is. <laughs> lying was the worst trouble you could get into. I'm serious. Lying and theft were two things that never went unpunished. And um, so, I, yes, ma'am. And my mother said, you lied to me. And like a dummy, no, you can go feel my toothbrush. Mom wasn't looking at my toothbrush. She was looking at the green stuff on my teeth and the breath that was coming out of that little fella. Mom was no idiot. She knew that I was trying to set her up. Why I would go through that. By the way, that was one of the, one of the, one of the spankings. I, I got it for lying more than not brushing my teeth. I, I remember that one really, really well. Why did I dread it so much? Let me ask you, why do you dread things? Anybody know? I tell you what, I'm going to need your help here. These guys are going to help me. They're going to go get a microphone. How many of you have dreaded things before that were ridiculous? Oh, oh, we don't have that much time. Okay. 
uh, uh, Jordan, if you could go this side, I want you to, somebody tell me you will be willing to tell what crazy thing you have always dreaded, all right? And, and Brooks, if you'll find somebody over here to do the same, all right? All right, come on, yeah, there, Linda. Having my teeth pulled when I was young. Having your teeth pulled. And of course, if you don't pull your teeth, your face rots off. But you dread doing it. I'm with you. I, I, I understand that. Somebody, somebody over here. Who? Come on. Come on. Anybody? Getting, a, getting my blood taken. Oh, get, oh, the old needle in the vein. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You, you may die if you don't do this. Well, then let me die. I cannot handle the needle. That's called dread. Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else? What? Folding the laundry. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Folding laundry. <laughs> that, that's, that's when you say, where are my clothes? That pile over there. <laughs> that's a good one. Somebody else, what? Anybody? Come on. Somebody help Brooksy out over here. Talking in the mic. <laughs> Booyah. Oh, that was, that was sharp. Washing dishes. Washing dishes. Okay. Some people like to wash dishes. Some people pile them up. Pile them up. Somebody else, come on. Yeah, what? Go, go. <laughs> Stepping on the scales. That's good. That's good. Come on, another one. Monday mornings. <laughs> oh, yeah, getting out of bed on Monday morning. Yeah. Uh, one more, one more. One more from each side. There we go. What? Anybody? Here's one down front here. Mason down front. There's one. There's one back here, Brooksy. There we go. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Come on. One more. I, I dread it as a pastor when, uh, when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I have something very important that we need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be good. <laughs> yes, come on, Mason. Being woken up just to cut the grass. What? Be to yeah. cut the grass. To wake somebody up and say, go cut the grass. Yeah, that must be the grass needed it. Now, I'll tell you what, thank you guys, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Now, now let me tell you, let me tell you one that some of you can relate to that I also have besides toothbrush. And as an adult, if I was sick at my stomach and nauseated, I fought throwing up. And I know I will feel better once it happens. I know that it's probably the best thing for me to get what is inside out, but why I will fight all day long to not throw up. Now, that word dread, you understand as an English word or Spanish word, pavor, you understand that that's not just fear. It's not that you, if there's a reason, you can do it, you know you should do it, and you ought to do it, and you're going to wait till someone makes you do it. That's called dread. And that's the word he used. He specifically chose that word. Um, we begin dreading doing the things of God or keeping the commandments of God or doing the work of God. And in doing so, we fall into this deep trap to where the things of God are not a joy, they're a burden. Now, why is brushing your teeth a burden? It's not a burden, but we talk ourselves into it. And that's what happens when we, about the work of God. 
We get burned out, we get disappointed, we get discouraged, we get dry, we get unmotivated, we become apathetic about spiritual things whenever we allow dread to come over our lives. Now, I want to bring it home. How many of you, don't raise your hand, just answer it in your own heart. How many of you know you should pray and you dread putting, giving time to pray? It's a common Christian problem. You know you should read the Word of God. You know that when you read the Word of God, it's going to make your day, and yet we will check Facebook, email, and everything before and never get to the Word of God. Where's your Bible? It's on your phone. Oh, look. Oh, that's a cute Facebook picture. I've got to like these 700 things. And you know what it is? It's the spirit of dread that comes on us that says, and we can't explain it. It's the spirit of dread that, that it's about the future. That word, deleus, is about dreading the f- what is coming, dreading the future. Timothy had a problem with it. Timothy was a pastor. He was in a persecuted church, in a persecuted world, with false teachers and people who didn't like him, and lots of church problems. And I'm sure, Jeremy, he sat there and said, there are too many people that say they got to talk to me about something important. And there's this sense of dread that says, can I avoid it? It's dread. It's dread. Hey, let me tell you how Jesus conquered dread. Let me tell you how Jesus conquered dread. Did you know Jesus dealt with dread? Father, is there any way this cup could pass from me? When he was about to go to the cross, that's what he said. He prayed, hey God, is there a way I can avoid this? And then he said this, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. I could have avoided a spanking at seven if I'd have just brushed my teeth. God has not given us a spirit of dread. The spirit God gave us, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The spirit God gave you when the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you is not the spirit to make you dread the things of God. That's not the purpose. So, listen carefully. If you're going around dreading the things of God, if you're going around dreading the things of God, you're talking yourself into a lie. You're talking yourself into a lie. You are, in your mind, you are talking yourself into a lie. This is going to be difficult. And when it's, and you know it works... Okay, now, let's keep taking it apart there. God has not given us the spirit of dread. But instead, he says, these are the things that God has given us when his spirit came to live in us. The first one was power. It's not just power. It's dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. It means explosive power. Explosive power. Did you know it is the word that was used when the scripture says, the power that raised Christ from the dead. That, folks, is not strength. That is something bigger. That is Holy Spirit power. And God says he has given us that. That is the opposite of dread. Holy Spirit power. Holy Spirit power. Folks, our God can do anything. In spite of us, he can do anything. And when the Holy Spirit inside of us explodes, when the Holy Spirit fills us, when we surrender ourselves, not my will, thy will be done, 
it doesn't give us dread for the things of God. It always bothers me to say, you know, the Lord told me to do something, and I just don't want to do it, but I'm going to have to do it. You just want to go, shut up. Don't, then don't do it. I know what it means God told me to do something. I didn't want to, but I surrendered, and now I'm excited about it. That's, that's different. But listen, come on. If, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is not dread. The Holy Spirit is explosive power inside of us. Uh, I, just this weekend, my incredible son-in-law, Joel, one of two incredible sons-in-law, sent a, a little link and said, you got to watch this. And I, I, actually, it's something you got to hear. And uh, I, I want you to hear it. Now, i gotta, I got to give you the, the back story. There, there was a guy, he's a pastor of a church, and, you know, he, he's a pastor, he's a busy pastor, and he got sick, he got a virus, and the virus attacked his vocal cords and, and destroyed his vocal cords, damaged them irreparably. Uh, he damaged, uh, they damaged the vocal cords to where he could only speak like this. He just, he, he just had to speak like this. Well, he had to resign his church. He and his family had to move. He had to get a different kind of job. He had, and he was just a, a guy going to a Baptist church in, in, in Houston, Texas. And they had been there for a while. Every, everything had to change in his life. He was discouraged. And, but he loved God's Word. And he was going to a Sunday school class. And they asked him if he would teach the Sunday school class. He's going, I can't teach the Sunday school class. I, I can hardly talk. And they said, we'll have a microphone to where you can just talk into the microphone. And people can hear you, nobody be quiet because you've got so much to say. And it was a regular Sunday school lesson, you know, this week, this week, this week. And they're doing the Psalms. And he happened to have to teach Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is one of everybody's favorite Psalms. Um, about how the Lord digs us out of a pit. <laughs> how the Lord rescues us from the pit. And it's the one that says, who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. And he began to teach on this I'm not going to play his whole teaching but he began to teach on it and uh, he was at the part where he was explaining why although it says heals all my diseases it doesn't really mean that it because God doesn't always heal and 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 you know sometimes God does and sometimes and he was he was actually in the process of explaining why uh, why you don't need to don't need to get too excited about the whole healing thing I mean he's, he's like the example he's sitting there going I used to be a pastor, and now I can't talk. And so he's in the process of saying, but he's saying, but the Word says that he heals us, and so I know he can do I know he can do it. I don't know if he will, but I know he can. That's kind of where he's going. And something incredible happens. So, Stephen, if we can. So when the psalmist writes, and he heals all of my diseases, let me say to you that I believe God still heals. That hasn't ended. That is not over. Now you have to be careful on how you do this because there are folks who carry things to an excess and it becomes a show. And God has never intended that that be what it is. God heals in his sovereign will. I don't know why God does things that he does, but I know that he does. And the only thing he requires of me is to allow him to be God and me to be me and let it be. To say that every single person will 
always be healed because Jesus died on the cross is a misinterpretation of scripture. Not true. Won't work. Isaiah 53 doesn't talk about physical healing. I'm sorry. That's just not the context. And to impress that there causes a misinterpretation of scripture. That's wrong. On the other hand, to say that, since we don't have anything after the book of Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again, is equally as wrong. Because you have put God in a box both ways. And he doesn't want to be in the box. So, the psalmist says, I'm excited, bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And then in verse 4 he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment I'm not quite sure what to say or do <laughs> I'm uh, Sounds funny to say at a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I He redeems my life from the pit. <laughs> And crowns me with love and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things. So that my youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. The Lord is slow to anger. The Lord is abounding in love. The Lord will not accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. That's mercy. Or repay us according to our iniquities. That's mercy. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Folks, <laughs> that, that was 
a recording they did of the Sunday school class. And God healed him. He right now is in ministry again. He's preaching. And he has a message that God heals. Let me tell you what. That's called the explosive power of the Holy Spirit. That is the explosive power of God's Holy Spirit. He says to Timothy, Timothy, you don't have dread. You don't have to make excuses for God. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. He can do anything. That needs to be what's going on inside of you. And the Holy Spirit inside of you is trying to say that. The second thing, the second thing, love. Now, what kind of love? Agape love is the word, agape. It means sacrificial love. It's not, it's not the kind of love that's emotional in nature only. It's not the, the love that's um, directed specifically. It's this, it's this bigger thing. Agape is the big, it's God's kind of love. When it says God loves, it's agape love. It's agape love. It's big love, sacrificial love. My mom was afraid of water. My mom being baptized about tore her up she said it was a kid but she was afraid of water never learned to swim and uh she just had a fear of water and um one time i remember we had we we were at a swimming pool and i had a little i have a little sister seven years younger than me and and she was a little bitty thing and and um mom was sitting there in the chair talking and and uh i'm i'm playing out in a little bit deeper area yo with my brother we're out there playing and all of a sudden, I look, and my mom is, like, diving in the pool. And we're like, you know, has my mom gone crazy? But she saw my little sister go underwater and, and look up and reach. And all of a sudden, fear went away. And perfect love cast out all fear. <laughs> and we watched my mom do a swan dive into the pool to save my sister. That's called sacrificial love. That's what God did for you. That's what God did for me. And that's the kind of love God puts in our hearts. And it's not dread. Oh, I, I dread witnessing to this person. Are you kidding? When sacrificial love starts coming up inside of you, you don't dread ministering to anybody. You don't dread giving anybody good news. Because there's this overwhelming love that loves more than you dread. You know why my mom did that? Because she loves my sister. You know why God sacrificed for us, his son? Because he loves us. That's what we have on the inside of us. Timothy, you don't have to be afraid. God is powerful and he will overflow you with more compassion. There will be no dread. No dread. And then there's the third one. And, uh, you know, we call it uh, a sound mind, we call it maybe um, self-control, we call it good judgment. It's an incredibly cool word. Here's, the word is called uh, sophronousness, and uh, it's, it's just a long Greek word, but it's a com combination of two words, and I love this. This is so cool. Combination of two words. It's the combination of the Greek word for save, like Jesus saves you. I'm saved, so-so. It saved means made whole and healed, <laughs> you know? Healed also comes from the same root. Save and thinking. Brain power, thinking. Think about this. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, 
You have saved thinking. You have whole thinking. You have healed thinking. And what happens with us is when we get distracted and dread comes over us, we're not thinking the way God sees things. We're not using saved person thinking. We're using world thinking. We're trying to even, sometimes our methods are using the same methods the world uses to try to do eternal truths. When God says, hey, look at it this way. We're going, I know, but the statistics show. Well, look, look at it this way. (laughs) Saved thinking. Thinking like somebody who's been made whole and been made healed. Saved thinking. God has not given us a spirit of dread, but instead of us dreading the work of God, we have incredible power, we have sacrificial love, and we think like saved people. We think like saved people now. That's what he told Timothy. And he told him to encourage him. Timothy, I encourage you. Think like a saved guy. Think saved thoughts, not lost ones. What a difference that makes inside of us. There's no need to be timid about the work of God. There's no need to dread his calling or his plan for our lives. We're made for more than that. We're made for the Holy Spirit to explode his power, to show his love through us, and to help us think like a new creation. One of my favorite verses in the whole universe, probably my favorite one, Morgan is my favorite one, she did a neat thing for me one time. Uh, uh, my favorite verse is from 2 Timothy, also chapter 3, where it says, the things that you have seen and learned become convinced of. And become convinced of, keep doing those things. You know, our problem sometimes is that we're not convinced. We've learned them, and we've heard them, but we're not convinced they work. Is that true? We're not convinced they work. When you're convinced something works, you'll do it. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. How convinced are you that God has not given us a spirit of dread, but of power, love, and a sound mind? How convinced are you of that? How convinced? Are you convinced enough There's, there's, a, um, there's a scripture that I want to read in one more translation. I call it the Kingwood translation. Kingwood version, the KV. I made this up. But here it goes. For the Holy Spirit that God gives us does not make us dread doing God's will, but he fills us with his explosive power and his sacrificial love and aligns our thoughts to his thoughts. This morning when I woke up, and some of you are going to think this is the dorkiest thing in the world, and I don't really care what you think, because I got saved thinking, okay? But I got up and I thought, wow, I sound like I can be a TV preacher when I say this. The first thought that came to my mind was, tell them today, to shed the dread. <laughs> Just shed the dread. When I was a kid, my grandma used to say, you need to get shed of that. Anybody ever heard that? Uh, if you're not from the deep south, you had not heard that one. But you, you got to get shed of that. Well, let's shed the dread. Let's shed it. Let's get rid of the dread. 
It's an action. We decide, hey, God, I, no longer am I going to dread doing the work of God. I don't want to dread reading your word. I don't want to dread praying. I don't want to dread doing your will. I don't want to dread fitting in your plan. I don't want to say, oh, there's my plans, and now I've got to crucify myself all over again. And, you know, we have nail holes in us all the time. And we're, we're, I, want, I want to be so excited about what my future is. I want to quit dreading it, start looking forward to it. I want to, I want to have saved thinking I want to have God's love flowing out of me, and I want to have ex explosive power using me. That's what God wants for us today. That's what God was saying to Timothy. Let's shed the dread today. I'm going to ask musicians to come, and if they will, and this is what my altar call is going to be. In a moment, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and stand at the front, but I'm going to ask you, if you are today, say, I am ready to shed the dread. I'm ready to shed the dread. I'm ready to get rid of this thing inside of me, and I'm going to ask God to help me shed that dread. I'm going to ask God to help me get rid of this spirit of dread. I want the Holy That is, the spirit of dread is not the Holy Spirit. Turn your back on that spirit, and let's invite the true Holy Spirit of God, His power, His love, and His sound, good judgment, aligning our thoughts to his thoughts to fill your lives. That's a decision you make. Today, what I'm going to say, I'm going to say, if you want to say, I'm going to shed the dread, all I'm going to ask you to do is to come in, come up here to the front and say, God, this is my statement I'm making. If you want to pray with someone that's here, that's fine, but you don't have to. You can just come and stand. You can just come and stand and we're going to pray together. We're going to pray a prayer to say, God, help me shed that dread that I've been living in all my life. No longer am I going to have to deal with dread. I am going to go 100% in your direction. I'm going to take what Paul said to Timothy as one of his most important things. I'm going to apply it to my life today. I'm going to apply it to my life today. Would everyone stand with me? Prayer team, if you'll come and... and, and Place yourself around the front if there are people that need to come and <clears throat> minister. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that you will allow this congregation to shed the dread, to drop off today that which has controlled us all of our lives to where we timidly tiptoe into the things of God hoping we don't offend, hoping that we don't get burned, hoping that we don't bite off more than we can chew and instead we cast ourselves fully and totally into the realm of the Holy Spirit and allow your spirit to align our thoughts, fill us with your love and explode your power on the inside of us. God, our prayer today is going to be that you will do what it takes inside of us to begin to shedding that dread. And Lord, today will be a new beginning. I believe it. I believe it in my heart. In Jesus' name. Would you step out right now? If that's your statement you want to make, I'm going to ask you just to move to the front. If you want to come to one of these and pray, you do it. But if not, you just come and stand. If you're ready to shed the dread right now, you're ready. You're ready to say, God, no more. No more. No more. No more. Come on, would you step out right now? I believe God's calling some of you to step out. When I was talking about dreading the things of God, some of you said, yep, that's me. This is your, this is your time. I'm going to ask you to come forward. 
Let's shed the drapes. Would you come on? Just step out right now. Just step out right now. I'm going to wait for just a minute. Step out. Yes, come on. Come on, step out right now. Come on, I'm not going to have a, a plan B. I'm going to have plan Jesus. That's it. Lord, I'm not going to dread it anymore. 100%. I'm going to find my place to serve at Kingwood Church. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm afraid to take too much time. I'm afraid to, oh, come on. We got one life to live. Let's serve him. Let's serve him. Heavenly Father, I pray as these come and stand before you right now. You guys that are at the front, if you would just sort of lift your hearts or your hands or something. Lord God, I ask you to let them receive right now. Let, you, let them receive right now the replacement of dread with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to, to filter through, to enliven, to lift up, to change in a million different ways. God, as you heal that man's voice, heal our hearts that we will get over our dread and we will do what you say without question, with joy, knowing that you, we are not alone. Father, I ask you to help us to shed that dread right now. Father, in Jesus' name, let us shed that dread. Make, make in your heart, say, God, I don't want to dread it anymore. No more. I don't want to dread it anymore. There's some folks that didn't come to the altar right now. God's speaking to you. Right where you are, you just say to the Lord, God, I let go of this dread I've had. I let go of it. I'm done with it. I let go of it. I let go of it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I believe right now that you're beginning to move on people's hearts. The Lord says to somebody in this place specifically, when you go home today, you're going to notice a big difference just the regular things of, of, of this life. You're not going to dread God anymore. You're not going to dread what God says to you. You're going to look forward to it. There's going to be something that arises inside of you that looks forward to meeting with God every day. And God's going to get rid of your dread, the Lord says. You're going to notice it. You're going to notice it. it's going to be the biggest change you've ever felt in your heart. that is, I want you to let me know when that happens to you. I want you to let me know. Thank you, Lord. God, I want to thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. And when we hide these kind of words in our heart, we will not sin against you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now we're going to rejoice. Gonna rejoice. Charmaine, let's let's just sing that chorus or something.
Thank you so much for joining with us this morning. Those at the altar, you can pray. You can come and spend time with God this morning. But thank you so much. I'd love for you to join us tonight. Please do. 530. Thank you. Love you.